Hello, fellow miserable bitches. It is I, Cody. And Emily. And we are back with another episode of Misery Manor. But this episode is a spooky episode. So you know what that means, bitches. Light some candles. Turn off the lights. Get your robes, because we're about to get buck fucking wild. But before we do, make sure you leave your manners at the door. Hey guys, welcome back. We are here to give you all a spooky episode, which we love to do. And clearly you did too. Yeah, because the Haunted Dolls episode was a fucking hit. Um, So we decided to do some more spooky episodes just to kind of give a break from like the murder and rape and all that crazy shit. So a lot of people were like, oh, we love the the doll episode. So we are going to be doing some more of those more often. Um, We have like an encyclopedia of haunted books written by uh, Zachary Knowles. So we're basically going to do ghost stories for you guys. Yeah. That's what we're calling it. Or paranormal ghost stories. Yeah. So the idea is like for it to be like when you are at a campfire and you gather Mm -hmm. around and like, have story time it's kind of just like a little haunted spooky story time session and a lot of the books that he wrote um so for instance we're doing the haunted ouija board stories today there's haunted forest haunted um insane asylums cemeteries their exorcism stories so we're gonna touch roads um all sorts of crazy shit that we are going to read the books and regurgitate them back to you all so we're excited about it, but we got a lot of reading to do, and we don't have a library near. So <laughs> we're going to have to do it in the bathtub. Okay. Um, and do you want to give us a little background on a Ouija board for yeah. those that might not know? Yes. So if you were like me, when I first heard the term Ouija board years ago, I was like, what the fuck is a Ouija board? I thought we was about to fucking play Monopoly or something. How do you think it was spelled? W-E-E-G-E-E, like Ouija. Yep. But... So, essentially, um, the Ouija board is the first, um, so it was like the first um, board made that people thought that they could actually communicate with the spirit world. Um, So, basically, what people do um, is try to contact past loved ones, demons, spirits, anything in the spirit world and beyond. And how this board is set up is it has a goodbye at the very bottom. It has an A, B, or an alphabet a through z and then it also has a um yes and a no and then a moon and a sun so essentially you have a planchette everybody playing puts their finger on it and the planchette will move across the board and spell out things for you all and give you messages based on the questions that you ask so if you say like how are you murdered it might spell gun and it will go to g u n and mm-hmm. that's how you would be like okay so they were shot 
So when we're reading these stories and we give the response from the Ouija board, we're just gonna say the name. We're not gonna be like G-U-N, we're just gonna say gun. So just know it's not actually speaking to them, it's spelling it out. Um, and does everything have to be prompted? Cause that is one thing I've only done it like once. And it won't say anything that you didn't ask for, you know? Right, like you don't just all sit and touch it and it's like, hey, like you have to start it. Right, because you have to invite them in. To right, this. And, and that's why you have to close it out. Yes, and that's a big thing. So a lot of the, a lot of the cases that are like haunting is the board will not allow them to leave. So you have to like close out the board, meaning you have to get rid of the spirit that you've invited in by saying goodbye and they have to reciprocate that and go to goodbye as well. If they don't, like a lot of these stories, they say no. So the people keep playing. Cause it's like a mutual, it's like Jumanji. Like right. it has to be a mutual thing. Like you have to end it. Right. You started it, bitch. I'm going to end it is what it's basically <laughs> fucking saying. So, um, so yeah, so we have a bunch of stories. Some of them are scary. Some of them are eerie. We even have like two kind of heartfelt ones that, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of, or like feel good ones. So we are each going to take turns just kind of reading a story out of the book um, that we liked. So we are going to start with our first story is called The Bus Driver. Okay. So one young man growing up in a quiet town was never interested in wasting time with the Ouija boards. One day he saw a moving van on his quiet street and went outside to introduce himself to the new neighbors. This is when he met Anna, a beautiful girl. She was 18 years old, just like him, and lived with her two younger sisters, ages 16 and 13, and their mother. Anna and the young man became great friends. He liked her even though she was, quote, into the boards. Her mom was a tarot card reader and got all of her daughters interested in communicating with the paranormal. One day, the young man decided to invite Anna over to his home. Of course, she asked him to play the Ouija board, some kind of game that was literally no interest to him whatsoever. But he agreed anyway, and soon enough, Anna was talking to some spirit, asking all sorts of questions. The young man became a little afraid of the whole thing, so the only question he really remembered Anna asking was, so what do you do in life? Through the Ouija board, the spirit responded that he had been a bus driver in a past life. Anna said, show yourself, and the planchette moved to goodbye. <laughs> the young man never thought much of it after that until two weeks later when he discovered that Anna herself had been hit by a bus. She died. So he was like, that was his way of showing. He was a bus driver, and then he just ran into Anna. So at her funeral some time later, Anna's younger sister, Grace, approached him about the Ouija board that they had used. She insisted that she had been communicating with Anna since her death. The young man said, the spirit isn't her. Leave the Ouija board alone. Grace began to cry and eventually convinced him to come over to her house so she could prove it. The young man wasn't surprised that the spirit came to be with Anna. He didn't believe a word of it, but played along as it seemed to be giving Grace comfort. Grace said to her sister through the board, I wish I could see you again. Goodbye. The session was closed. Grace and the young man never spoke about it again. 
The young man was still a skeptic until an accident that the end of the year convinced him of the Ouija board powers and made him swear never to use one again. At the end of the school year, shortly after Grace got her driver's permit, she too was hit by a bus and killed. So both sisters. Both sisters by the spirit who claimed to be a bus driver killed both of them after they said, show yourself. Mm. No, ma'am. That's why you don't, yeah, that's why you don't ride a bus. (laughs) Not the cat. Kala's Ouija board was homemade because she too kept it a secret from her parents. Her mom had sworn them off, Ouija. She had a bad experience with the talking board as a child, but never went into detail about what really happened. Because her parents couldn't know about it, Kala decided to play alone. She knew about the first rule of Ouija, but figured it was no big deal. She tried to call in the spirits in her room one night. No one responded to her questions. Still, she persisted because she felt sure there was a spirit in the room. As soon as she put her hands on the planchette, the air thickened and the room grew colder. Despite the chills running down Kala's spine, the planchette never moved. Later that night, after giving up on Ouija, Kala was laying in bed with her laying in bed when she heard a loud on the roof above. Seconds later, her dad opened her bedroom. Did you hear something? He asked. I think so, she replied. Maybe the cat? The sound returned. And it definitely wasn't the cat. It sounded like heavy footsteps, like an angry man stomping across the roof. Scared, Kala ran downstairs, her dad shortly behind her. Mom, she said, entering the living room. There's someone on the roof. Not the roof. Kala's dad ran into the back room and came out with a shotgun. He went outside. Kala and her mom listened to him climbing onto the roof, feeling tense with fear. A few minutes later, Kala's dad came back inside. Whoever it was, they got away, he said, shaking his head. I saw a shadow jump down from the roof and disappear into the woods. Kala was freaked out, but couldn't bring herself to tell her parents that she had used a Ouija board alone in her house. So instead, she marched upstairs and locked her bedroom door. She crossed the room and locked her window, feeling shaken. Then she got the Ouija board out from under her bed, folded it in half with the planchette inside, and put a paper clip on it so it couldn't be opened. A flimsy solution, but what else could she do? Kala climbed back into bed and turned out the light. She lay awake, unable to sleep, thinking about the man on the roof and wondering where he had come from. Then a new sound came across her room, a growl. Kala sat up straight in bed. Again, she thought the cat might have been responsible for the sound, so she got up and looked around the room. To her dismay, the family cat was nowhere to be found. Weary, she crawled back into bed, turned out the lights, and closed her eyes. The moment her eyes shut, the the growl came again, this time louder, stronger, and closer. Afraid, Kala turned on the lights and left them on. After a long time sitting in silence, she slowly drifted to sleep. Ever since that day, her house has been plagued by strange and threatening sounds heard by everyone. Kala began to believe that a demon was living in her home. Worse still, she knew exactly how it got there, through the Ouija board. Even with all the confusion and fear the sounds caused, Kala never could tell her parents what she had invited into their home. Ooh. See, and that's another thing. A lot of the time, spirits or that you invite will take the like a human form. So 
after the reading, shadow. Yeah, and like whatever she saw on the roof could have very well been the spirit just taking a human form. Okay, so the next two stories that we are gonna do um, have to do with Zozo. Now, Zozo is a being that people seek out on the Ouija board, um, and a lot of people are interested in him because they don't know what he is, who he is, what he wants. Is it a demon? Is it a spirit? So a lot of people are amused by contacting the spirit, like I said, Zozo, um, because it's just so clear, unclear of what this being is. So like I said, the next two stories have to deal with people coming into contact with him. So the story I'm gonna read is called A Deadly Obsession. Darren's first experience with Zozo was with a two-sided Ouija board he found at his girlfriend's house. One side looked normal, but the other side was dark and inscribed with the word Zozo. Whenever Darren, his girlfriend, or any of their friends used this board, the planchette was controlled by Zozo, the entity. Like many Ouija board fanatics before him, Darren became a little obsessed with Zozo. He was determined to figure out what the spirit really was. The more Darren communicated with Zozo, the more he started to think that he had been chosen by the spirit to learn. The secrets of the afterlife. Soon, Darren realized that Zozo would appear no matter what Ouija board he used. The double-sided one wasn't as special. Darren was getting readings on every board that he used from Zozo. But Darren was convinced that nothing bad would happen to him. As word spread of Darren's ability to call upon an apparent demon at will, skeptics in his quiet town outside of Tulsa began making their voices heard. Darren responded by taking a Ouija board to their houses and turning them into believers. One such time, Darren was with a group of people around the Ouija board. Zozo was repeatedly spelling the word, the word window and refused to stop. Everyone was confused, including Darren, because there was nothing to see outside of the window. The skeptic herself went to the kitchen and looked out. Only then did she see him, a bald man standing in her staring at her from the backyard. The man was gone as soon as she saw him, but everyone was shaking. This was Darren's first time seeing a person appear while communicating with Zozo. Still, Darren kept calling on the spirit, and over the course of five years, he began to feel more and more paranoid. He became convinced that demons were taking on human form and following him. He had a nervous breakdown because of it, so his mom and grandmother intervened. They performed a makeshift exorcism to the best of their abilities, sending Darren into a deep sleep that lasted two days. While he was out, his mother and grandma witnessed dark shadows moving all around the house and watching over him as he slept. Despite all of the warnings, Darren felt he couldn't leave Zozo alone. He continued to communicate without telling his family. Then something really sinister happened. Zozo told Darren quite clearly that he had plans to kill his daughter. He said he would strike her down with an iron tongue. Frightened, Darren ended the session, but he didn't realize it was too late. The very next day, Darren's three-year-old daughter nearly drowned in a bathtub. Later, doctors diagnosed her with MRSA, her tongue became severely infected 
and it got so swollen that it dangled out of her mouth. She spent two weeks in a hospital quarantine, but luckily she did survive the infection. But this was the event that made Darren realize he wasn't as special as he thought. Zozo had manipulated him into believing it. This was not a demon to mess with by any means. After the incident, he stopped using the Ouija board and spent his time warning others about the dangers of trying to penetrate the spirit world. Ew. <laughs> The, the tongue? The tongue hanging out. I mean, that's crazy, though, just to think that, like, you may be using the board, but the, but it's still attacking people in your life. Like, you, the people that it can affect are not using the, the Ouija board. Our next Zozo story, Scared for Their Safety. It was 2012 and April had just moved in with her sister, Joyce. One evening, the two sisters decided to have their friends, Trevor and Melissa, over to do something fun. They were all having a smoke and pondering what to do when April suggested that they should play Ouija. April loved the idea of asking the spirits about the afterlife, and she had played with the board alone for many years without anything bad happening. The four sat at the table together around the board. Joyce and the others weren't such strong believers, so April decided to lead the game. Is anyone there, she asked. Slowly, the planchette moved to, yes. Who are we speaking with? The planchette moved again, sliding to Z, then O, then Z, then O. It wouldn't stop moving between the two letters. It started picking up speed as it moved back and forth. Trevor and Melissa looked baffled. What do you want, asked April. The planchette moved quickly, her. Who is her? The planchette moved again. Melissa. Melissa smiled slightly, thinking it was a prank. April, however, was freaked out. What do you want with her? She asked. The only reply they received was, I want her, spelled quickly. The planchette didn't seem to want to stop and returned to zipping back and forth between Z and O. The group started getting fed up with this vague but energetic spirit. Spirit, frustrated, Melissa said, this spirit's a prick. Just as the insult left her mouth, the planchette halted on the board. Slowly, it began moving around again, spelling out death. Why did you do that? Asked April. He could be capable of doing something horrible to us. She didn't want anything bad to happen to her friends. Melissa sat quietly, a little shaken and ashamed. The others decided to try and continue to communicate. Soon, April noticed how warm the planchette felt under her fingers. In fact, it was getting hotter. Do you feel that, said Joyce? The others nodded. Are you angry, April asked with a sense of foreboding. The planchette started moving around so fast that no one could even keep up with the letters. Then the spirit seemed to get stuck in a rut and started spelling mama over and over. April decided to try and force the planchette to a different letter, but it wouldn't move. Damn it, she said. Trevor pulled his hands away. I'm done, this is too weird. That was the atmosphere. That was when the atmosphere completely changed. Nothing looked different, but April had the feeling there was a presence in the room. The air became heavy and fear crept into her eyes. Suddenly, she didn't feel like herself anymore. Somehow, she knew that something was inside of her. From nowhere, a strong feeling of hatred washed over her. Then she started laughing. She had no idea why, and the next moment she was crying. She realized she had no control over her emotions anymore. But that wasn't all. 
April felt the feeling of hatred creep in again and found herself slowly turning towards Melissa. She smiled. It wasn't a happy smile or a fake one. It was positively evil. April didn't feel like it was really her doing the actions. There was something inside of her, some demon. Joyce slammed the board shut. Trevor's right, this is getting creepy. Everyone jumped up from the table, but April had trouble coming out of her reverie. She could still feel something dark boiling under the surface, but didn't know what to say to the others. After a while, she slowly started to return to normal. Once she completely felt like herself again, relief washed over her. She had been scared before, but not for herself. She was scared for the safety of her sister and their friends. April knew that whatever entered her body was powerful. If Zozo had wanted to hurt one of the others, she would have been able to stop it. Oh, hell to the no. So not only is the fucking ghost visiting them, now he's going right up into their body. Well, I don't think it's a ghost. I think it is a demon. Well, a demon, whatever it is, is now entering their body. I don't know. Hell to the no, to the no, to the no, no, no. Okay, so the next story that I'm going to do, um, this has to do with kind of the Ouija board coming out and giving your secrets away. So nothing can be hidden from the Ouija board. So Ooh. this story is called Window. So this story comes from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Dave and his wife, Michelle, decided to take an old Ouija board to their friend's house for some beers and fun. Mike had always believed in spirits, but Patricia was a huge skeptic. The group decided to show off a thing or two about the power of the Ouija board. They got more than what they bargained for, and by the end of the night, Dave and Mike found themselves in a mental health ward. The group made themselves comfortable around a coffee table in Mike's living room with dim lights and a lit candle. Almost as soon as their hands touched the planchette, it started moving with force around the board, swishing over, hello. Patricia wasn't impressed at all. They never got the chance to learn too much about the spirit they were communicating with because almost immediately he started calling Patricia all sorts of horrible names. As the planchette moved around the board, cursing at her and telling her it didn't like her, Patricia just rolled her eyes, knowing the group was trying to just get a rise out of her. Then the spirit said something very interesting. It claimed that Patricia was cheating on her boyfriend, Mike, with one of her ex-boyfriends. So now everybody's interests are piqued. As the spirit was asked, okay, so Mike said, ask the spirit what her ex-boyfriend's name is. Dave and Michelle only knew Patricia through Mike and had no idea who this ex could be. Still, they asked the spirit. His response was Matt. Mike's face immediately turned red, but that wasn't all the spirit had to say. He went on to reveal that Patricia had been having sex with Matt earlier in that day while Mike was at work. In which room? Mike asked calmly. The planchette spelled out, your bed. Patricia looked very uncomfortable but denied the spirit's message. Still, Mike jumped up and went to search the bedroom. He came back a minute later with the man's watch, saying that it wasn't his. The planchette moved to, I want to scare her. Mike and Patricia started arguing and they abandoned the board, but eventually she talked him around and the group drank a few beers. 
Everything was fine until Dave and Michelle decided it was time for a little more Ouija action at midnight. They contacted the same spirit who was still in the mood to insult Patricia. Everyone thought it was enough and decided to end the night. Just then, the planchette spelled window. Everyone looked towards the living room window but saw nothing. Still, the planchette spelled the word over and over with increasing speed. Window, 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 window. Bored, Patricia decided to head to the kitchen and bring around a beers. Then they heard her scream. She came back to the group and said, oh my gosh, somebody, somebody was staring at me through the window. <gasps> Dave and Michael ran out to the front door to see who it was. Sure enough, a tall figure was running down the street at full speed. They ran after him as he turned down an alley and disappeared into a building. Dave and Michael stopped dead, finding themselves surrounded by policemen and their cruisers. They were standing outside a mental health facility. They quickly explained to the police about the man who had been peering in through their window of Mike's house. A hospital worker explained that the man had escaped from the facility somehow about an hour before and that the cops had been looking for him for quite some time. Mike and Dave waited outside, catching their breath, while the police went inside to talk to the man. When a police officer returned to tell them what had been going on, he was laughing, almost hysterically. Well, the cop said, this guy is definitely disturbed, didn't want to answer any of our questions, but he did tell the hospital faculty that he had the devil speaking to him, and the devil told him that he could find him at your house. Mm. The officer, officer thought this was very funny and highly unlikely, but Mike and Dave felt chills after their evening with the Ouija board. They walked home to tell Michelle and Patricia what had happened. Both women were terrified and Patricia was not happy at all. She threw the Ouija board out of the house and told Dave and Michelle not to come back. Still, the guys decided it would be best to burn the board completely. After dousing the board in kerosene for good measure, Mike threw a match on it, but the board did not burst into flame. Instead, it ignited a long flame that flew across the yard and then exploded into a giant ball of fire. Mike was in the way and the blast of fire caught him and burned his entire body. So the others called an ambulance and him and Patricia went to the hospital. Mike had second and third degree burns and was temporarily blinded from the kerosene. After the ambulance left, Dave picked up the Ouija board, which was still lying on the ground. The grass all around the Ouija board was burnt, but the Ouija board was in perfectly fine condition. Dave threw it in the trash beside the house. The next day, Dave received a phone call from Patricia. She was livid accusing him of putting the Ouija board in the kitchen where the peeping Tom had seen her. She wasn't amused. Dave tried to tell her over and over again that he did not put it there and that he threw it away outside, but she didn't believe him. Later that night, Mike had, a, had to have a serious outpatient treatment for his burns. Dave and Mike stayed friends for about a year after that. One night, Mike told Dave that Patricia had eventually admitted to him that she was in fact cheating on him, just like the board told them. The Ouija board had all of the facts straight that night, down to who it was and where they were doing the deed. Patricia had been a skeptic before, 
but she could not be anymore. She learned the hard way. Never play Ouija if you have a bad secret that you want to keep. So now these boards are just telling all the fucking tea. Like, damn, if you want to know something, get out that Ouija board, baby. Not Patricia. I would probably tell me, go dye that hair again. No, I'd probably tell you that. Because your roots are in, you know? My roots are in like an inch and a half. <laughs> Let's keep talking about it. <laughs> Next story is 20 Weeks Along. Dylan and Jake went to their friend Mark's family cabin one fall weekend. The three teenagers were looking forward to having the place to themselves, but didn't have too many great ideas about what they should do. Finally, someone suggested they try out a Ouija board. Everyone enthusiastically agreed. The three boys were able to contact a spirit, but this one wasn't very friendly. All it wanted to communicate was that Jake was evil and spell out die over and over again. The boys weren't amused and moved the planchette to goodbye. But then the spirit jerked the planchette away and spelled no die. The boys kept trying to say goodbye to the spirit because they thought it was important to end the session. But every time they tried, the spirit jerked the planchette away again, telling them to die. They kept at it for a half an hour. Then Dylan had an idea. Spirit, show yourself, he said to the board. Immediately, the planchette slid to goodbye. Just then, the front door of the cabin began to shake like crazy, then suddenly stopped. The boys went to dinner, not thinking too much of it. Maybe it was curiosity, but later that night, everyone wanted to try the board again. When they sat at the board, they knew immediately that they'd found the same spirit. No and die were the only words it was interested in spelling. Mark thought it would be a good idea to try and ask questions about the future. Will I have children, he asked. The planchette slid to, yes. What about me, said Jake. The planchette moved again, spelling now. No one really understood what that meant, so they just kept asking questions. Mark and Dylan could tell that Jake was a little upset, though, so they decided to stop shortly after. The three boys moved the planchette to, goodbye. The planchette jerked away, no, die, it spelled. Then the planchette started flying around the board out of control. It flew off the board and onto the floor where it lay still. Dylan was the most superstitious of the group and insisted that they couldn't let the session end without saying goodbye because it might release a spirit to walk the earth. They had no choice but to continue talking to it. Still, everything they asked received only one response. Die. Who are you? Mark finally asked. The planchette moved to spell Lucifer. That was too much for Jake. He got scared and ran from the cabin. The boys gave up on the board and went home the next day. On Monday, Dylan went to school and saw that Jake wasn't there. He started asking around if anyone had seen him, then heard a rumor that Jake is in the hospital. The first thing Dylan thought was that something horrible must have happened to Jake, maybe by Lucifer himself. Panicking, Dylan started calling Jake over and over after several times someone answered. Hello? This is Jake's dad speaking. Hey, it's Dylan. I heard at school that Jake is in the hospital. What happened? Is he okay? There was a short pause at the other end before Jake's dad said, Jake is fine. It's actually his girlfriend, Tiffany, who's in the hospital. She had a miscarriage. Dylan was shocked. A miscarriage? I didn't even know she was pregnant. 
Tiffany didn't tell anyone, so we didn't know either, said Jake's dad somberly. She was about 20 weeks along. It was a baby girl. Suddenly, Dylan realized exactly what Lucifer was telling them through the Ouija board the other night. Jake really would have had a child now, but in the worst possible way. Do you think he was responsible for the miscarriage? No, I think he, well, could be. God, I hope not. But I think he was just telling them, like, well, no, because he was saying, die now. Like, I wonder if he was, like, saying, I'm going to kill it. Yeah, I mean, Lucy's not nice. I don't like that. No, that was horrible. Not the miscarriage. No. Okay, so the next two stories that we're going to read are um, about ominous warnings. So a lot of people use Ouija boards to contact the spirits to learn about their lives, deaths, um, when they're going to die, when their family members are going to die, how they're going to die, and things like that. So these are stories about the Ouija board giving clear-as-day warnings, kind of like a... um, a message from beyond about a, a warning that they should be keep in mind per se is that a premonition uh yeah mm-hmm. kind of i okay. guess no i don't think so okay so this one's called die bitch so angela jackson had always been interested in spiritualism and the occult she often had dreams that became reality and sometimes dev- devastatingly so when she was young she dreamed her father wouldn't be around for christmas Soon after, he was diagnosed with cancer and passed away. Since that occurrence, she grew more interested in spiritualism, regularly attending meetings and calling on the Ouija board. But when it came to a message from the beyond, she never seemed to take them so seriously. One time, Angela was at a spiritualist meeting about 20 years after her father had passed. A psychic woman got up on the stage to sing, and she locked eyes with Angela in the crowd. She sang a Jim Reeves song, which was Angela's father's favorite. After she listened to the song and she finished, the psychic spoke into the mic, her eyes glued on Angela. She said, your dad has a warning for you. You are thinking about using a Ouija board, but don't. No good will come from it. Angela always knew that it was possible to connect with the evil spirits or even demons on a Ouija board, and she figured this was why her father had always warned her. But that didn't stop her from trying the Ouija board with three of her neighborhood friends shortly after. They used an overturned whiskey glass as a planchette, which quickly became to move across the board. Who is it that you want to speak to? asked Robert, Angela's neighbor. The whiskey glass moved across the board, spelling Angela. The next spirit said, die, bitch. That's not funny, said Angela. Angela, we didn't do anything, said Robert. Just then, the door to the living room slammed shut on its own. They all screamed and pulled their hands off the glass, all except Angela. Who are you? She asked nervously. I was murdered, the spirit replied. Just like you're going to be, bitch. Who are you? She asked again. The board replied, Satan. Angela screamed, I'm not scared of you. To hell with you. The group was done. They jumped up, turned on the lights, and blew out the candles. We should probably never do this again, said Robert. But Angela could not leave this ominous message go. She had to know more. She convinced them to try to contact the spirit again, but they were never able to. 
Then, one night, Angela said that she awoke from a dream, screaming and sweating from a terrible, terrible nightmare. She said she dreamed that she was being attacked by a man carrying a huge hammer. She said that's when she knew things had gone too far and she was scaring herself to death. She told herself she is not doing the Ouija board anymore. Still, Angela became increasingly paranoid and felt unsafe even going out. Eventually, she decided to visit her son who lived close by. She locked her apartment and went down the stairs. That's when she heard the voice again. Die, bitch. Shaking, Angela turned to see a man creeping out of the shadows. He wore a white t-shirt and had a hammer in his hand. Angela screamed as he brought the weapon down on her head with a sickening thud. He hit her over and over again as warm blood trickled down her face. Angela managed to get away and walked away to a hospital, but she was in some sort of daze. The doctor saw immediately that she had been attacked. Her skull was severely fractured. Later on, Angela told police everything that she could about the attacker, but they never found him. She began to fear that he would come back someday to finish what he had started. Six years later, she still had no relief from these fears. She, to this day, wishes that she would have listened to the warnings that her dad gave her through the psychic and thinks that maybe none of this would ever happen. And she said, you don't know what might lie in the afterworld, but please never do a Ouija board. Ah! Monger. And you fucking wanted to get a Ouija board the other day. I did. But I love how she was like, go to hell, Satan. And he's like, I'm already there. <laughs> in fact, I own this bitch. <laughs> okay. Our next ominous warning. 24 June... 1987. It was 1986 and Jill had a very good friend at high school named Johnny. Johnny was suffering from cystic fibrosis, a debilitating illness. Recently, he had become very ill and was in the hospital. Jill and her friend Shelly would visit John often while he was sick. They tried to keep his spirits up and kept hoping for a fast recovery. One evening after visiting him, they went to Shelly's house and decided to try a game of Ouija. Soon, they were able to contact and communicate with the spirit. They asked basic and boring questions about the topics that preoccupied teenage girls, mostly about boys. That said, the spirit did seem to know quite a lot about the girls, including many of their secrets. Jill decided to change the topic and asked the spirit about Johnny and what was going to happen to him. The spirit responded quickly, spelling out, 2-4 June 1987. Johnny won't have to worry anymore. Without waiting for another question, the planchette moved to goodbye. Jill and Shelley were heartened by the message. Johnny had suffered so much from his illness, it was great news to know that it would all be over the following year. They were convinced that the spirit had communicated a date for Johnny's recovery, so they wrote it down and put it in an envelope. The next year, on June 24th, the spirit's prediction came true. Johnny didn't have to worry about his condition any longer. That was the day Johnny died. Oh, That was it. Well, that's sad that they thought that that was the day that he was going to be recovered. Well, that was kind of dumb of them. I'm sorry. Yeah. But I'm they were asking it. Like, I think they went into it with intentions. You know, they set the intentions that they wanted to know that. And I obviously well, didn't. 
Yeah, and I guess they were kind of like the they whole knew thing he was. was in, con- yeah, they knew he was in pain, but they didn't think, "When's he gonna die?" No, I mean, like their whole experience with it was kind of like very sleepover. Like, let's talk about boys or right. whatever, and then poor thing. So, R.I.P. Johnny. Okay, so our next two stories are the lighthearted ones, and this these are entitled "When Family Calls." So these are people that go to the board in hopes to reaching out to maybe a past mother or father. Mm-hmm. Now these two are not scary; they're more heartfelt, but they are impactful to say. And the that's least. why we're not ending on these. Yes, we're gonna end with some scary ones, but. These are, these are pretty good, and I think that you would find interest in them. So this one's called, I Don't Want to Cross. So Brandy's mom had died three weeks earlier from cancer. It was bad. She had suffered so much, but Brandy still couldn't come to terms with the fact that her mother was really gone. So she decided to do something ridiculous and use a Ouija board to contact her, not knowing if it would actually work. Sitting in her mother's home alone, Brandy put her fingers on the planchette. She said, Mom, are you here? The planchette moved quickly to yes. Surprise, Brandy asked, is it really you? The planchette spelled, it is mom. Brandy was a little worried because she had heard that evil spirits could sometimes contact people posing as a lost loved one. Still, she felt she had no choice but to keep asking questions. Brandy asked, have you crossed over, mom? The planchette slid to no. Are you scared? The planchette said yes. Do you want to stay in our house? She said yes. Did it hurt when you died, mom? Asked Brandy. The planchette moved to yes. Were you scared? The planchette said yes. Brandy said, I'm so sad that I don't get to spend Christmas with you again this year. The planchette moved to, I can see you though. That was a bit of a scary thought to Brandy. Um, So she said, mom, do you have a message for Nana? The planchette said, yes, I love her. Brandy felt more at ease. She said, well, if you're gonna be here for Christmas, can I get you anything? The planchette sat for a moment and then spelled magazines. Brandy wondered how in the world she was gonna be able to read them. but she agreed to anyway. Brandy asked her mom, what do you do all day? She said, I watch you. Do you have a message for me? The planchette moved, just be happy. Brandy kept communicating with her mom for hours, becoming more convinced that the spirit was really her. Late in the night, Brandy said she had to go. Sorry, mom, I have to go, I'm tired. The planchette moved another time. Brandy sighed, I want to talk to you all the time, Mom. I miss you, but I'm still not sure if it's really even you. Mm-hmm. The planchette spelled only Daniela. She spelled Daniela was her real name. Will you give me some signs when you are near? The planchette moved, be more alert. Brandy smiled. The planchette moved again. I don't want to cross, Brandy. Brandy said, it's okay, Mom. You can just stay here with me. Brandy moved the planchette to goodbye. She closed the board and started getting ready for bed. She fell asleep easily for the first time in three weeks, knowing that her mom was close by watching over her. That's Aww. sweet. 
That is really sweet. But still, like, I would not. You think it's. Huh? You think it's something else? No, I mean, that's what the, the sad part would be is if it was actually like a demon, you know, posing. Like, and she's hopeful that it's her mom and well. But she was still skeptic. Yeah. She's the one that said. That's okay. true. Well, okay. I guess if it gives her peace of mind, it's worth it. I mean, I guess. Okay. Bubblegum. It was 1994 and Karen was going to college in Philadelphia. One weekend, a massive winter storm overtook the town, so everyone was holed up indoors. Karen and her roommate, Jen, decided to have a couple of friends over to keep them from going insane from boredom. Once they were all together, Jen suggested that Karen get out her Ouija board. The other two thought it was a great idea. It would be fun to try and spook each other out a little. Jen and their friend, Mike, had the Ouija board set up between them. Almost immediately, everyone could sense a spiritual present filling the room. The planchette moved before Jen could even ask a question. I want Karen, it spelled. Karen sat in the background looking surprised. She felt a shiver run down her spine. Why me, she wondered to herself. Karen didn't like that this planchette had spelled her name, but since she wasn't actually the one playing, she figured it was safe to ask some questions. Who is this, she asked. The planchette spelled Stephen. Everyone in the room laughed. Everyone except Karen. The others knew that Karen had a younger brother named Stephen and thought it was probably a coincidence that the spirit had the same name. But what they didn't know was that Stephen was a family name. Her uncle was also named Stephen, and so was her grandfather. How do you know me? asked Karen. The room fell silent as the planchette moved under Jen and Mike's fingers. Grandpa. Jen looked up at Karen confused. Do you have a grandpa named Stephen too? Karen nodded. He passed away when I was eight. Everyone's attention drew back to the board. Karen had to know if it was really her grandpa, so she racked her brain for some early memories that only he would know about. Finally, she said, what was the special treat you used to bring me when you visited? The planchette moved to spell bubblegum. Karen knew her friends couldn't have known that. Even her mother had probably forgotten. She leaned back on the couch looking pale. What does that mean? asked Jen. Karen sighed. When my grandpa came to visit me, he would bring me a cigar box filled with bubblegum cigars. We would sit together and he would smoke and I would pretend to smoke with the bubblegum. <laughs> the group stared at Karen. She was feeling pretty freaked out by this point, but reminded herself that the spirit had said nothing bad or harmful to her so far. The planchette moved on its own. I love you, it spelled. Karen hesitated. I love you too, Grandpa. Then the planchette moved to goodbye. The group decided to close the board. Later that night, Karen was in bed when she suddenly remembered a dream she'd had when she was 12. Her grandpa had been gone for four years, but he came to her in a dream just to say that he was okay. Karen had asked, can I go with you to heaven? No, her grandpa said, but I'm okay. Karen had always felt close to her grandpa, and even after all these years, she felt he was with her always. She figured the dream and the Ouija board experience were his way of checking in with her and letting her know that everything was fine with him. Aww. You know, the first time I read that, I didn't realize it really is creepy that she didn't even have her hands on the planchette and or her fingers, still... and it still spelled that, and her friends had no idea. They didn't even know she had a grandpa named Steven. Yeah, and she's like, oh, shit. 
That's probably why she didn't have her fingers on it, because she did not want to participate. And it did start without any prompting. That's true. I didn't think that was, like, a thing. Oh, yeah. I guess, I mean, I guess it's just, like, a case-by-case. Or do you think that he was just, like, attached to her or something, and he just used that? Right. Oof. I do remember those cigar-shaped bubble Those were disgusting. I know, and they would make your jaw hurt because you would chew on them. They were so thick. Hard. I remember I would chew them in baseball, and they were so hard. Didn't weren't you supposed to chew like chewy stuff? Not like well, gum is chewy, ain't it? Not that chewy. Well, she maybe that's why I didn't last very long. (laughs) Chewer. Okay, so our last two stories. These are kind of some creepy ones. So mine is entitled Portal. So one night in college, John invited four friends over. Liam, Chris, Jack, and Paul. What basic fucking names. Over to, his, <laughs> over to his apartment. The usual agenda was to drink and get in trouble. But this time they decided to change things up. They decided to have a seance. At about 10.30 p.m., the group decided that John would be the medium since he was the one to host the party. John brought a Ouija board, and they improvised with a large whiskey glass for the planchette. Keeping true to what they thought a seance would look like, they turned off the lights and lit candles all around the living room. Liam was surprised to see how serious his four goofball friends were about this whole seance thing. Everyone gathered around the board for once once completely serious. John said to the whiskey glass, Is there any spirit or present in this apartment? Please move the glass. Mm. All were surprised to see the glass start to move immediately. They glanced around at each other before returning to the board. Would you be able to spell your name for us, please? Asked John. The glass moved. Certainly, he said. What is your name? It spelled I-L-K-E-R-L. Liam said, what kind of name is that? They paused and Paul said, wait, isn't it obvious? It's an anagram for killer. The guys cast around more nervous glances at each other. Should we continue? Asked Jack. Chris said, maybe. Yeah, let's give it a go. A discussion ensued and the guys determined exactly how they should deal with the spirit. As long as they followed the right procedure and ended the session with a prayer, then they probably would be just fine. They read on the internet that if the spirit mentions a portal, they should close the session immediately. Portals were were how demons enter the human world. They all agreed to proceed continuously and cautiously and not provoke the spirit. They returned to the board. If you are still here, can you please give us a sign? Asked John. Ouch! yelled Chris. What was it? Chris had his hand on his right cheek. I just felt something hit me. When he moved his hand, there was a huge red mark on his cheek. Fear and foreboding spread throughout the room immediately. Why did you hit Chris? John asked the board. I do not like him, it spelled out. Why? It spelled, he's a twat. <laughs> <laughs> So the spirit's got some jokes. The spirit replied. Chris laughed it off. Maybe it was a joke. John asked, are you a ghost? The glass moved to no. Then what are you? The glass moved. It spelled, 
E-L-P-E-N-U-M-B-R-A. Suddenly, the room became ice cold. The guys didn't need to ask each other what El Penumbra meant in English. They all knew. It meant demon. Are you a demon? John asked. The glass moved, yes. Then it moved to, now die. Somehow the room managed to get even colder. Oh my God, said Paul. The others looked to see blood trickling out of John's mouth and ears and nose. All five of the young men's faces filled with fear. Transfixed on John's face, it took a while for them to notice the glass in their hands were flying. Oh, the glass underneath their hands were flying all around the board. It was spelling out portal, 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 over and over again. Their fears were confirmed. The demon was trying to enter their world. All five guys struggled to push the glass to goodbye. The demon resisted them, but they managed it. When they let go, they fell to the floor. The group recited the Our Father prayer and ended it with, in Jesus' name, amen. They all rushed to turn the lights on and blow out the candles. John brought everyone some beer and they tried to joke off the encounter. Still, no one felt they should leave John alone at night. So Liam, Chris, Jack, and Paul all decided to sleep over. They managed to drink themselves to sleep. Liam had a terrible nightmare. He found himself in a large room in the middle of a circle. He couldn't see where he was in the room, but with a dark, smoky mist all around him. He could hear high-pitched whispering in the shadows slowly. The whispers became louder. They became voices instead of whispers. Liam could finally make out what they were saying. We're gonna get you over and over. Then the voices became louder and then eventually into screams. We're going to get you. We're going to get you. We're going to get you over and over again. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, hundreds of arms started <gasps> appearing through the mist. Liam was paralyzed, unable to move, almost like in sleep paralysis. They were corpse-like. They were huge talons on the ends of their hands. Liam couldn't see who the arms belonged to, but he knew that the corpse were the embodiment of the spirit they had encountered on the Ouija board. The gray mist started to creep into Liam's circle of life. With it came the dead arms again. Liam had no way to escape this nightmare. He tried to scream, but it only came out as soundless coughs. The mist was surrounding him, the arms grabbing him, whispering in his ear. Suddenly, Liam woke up and found himself back in John's apartment. The four frightened guys were staring back at each other all around the room. When Liam told Chris, John, and Jack what had just happened, they all discovered that each and every one of them had the exact mm. same dream. Mm. No. First of all, I've never had sleep paralysis before, which I sounds have. like a nightmare, but that whole imagery in my head during it is going to be a Hail to the motherfucking no for me, baby. I hope the talons were like painted. Like that long is, fingernails. That is just so creepy. Yeah. This just validates me. why I don't want to play a Ouija board ever again. I'm perfectly fine reading these stories. Okay, Emily, so end us off with a bang. Okay. I'm not gonna read the title of this one because it gives it away. Okay. One Tuesday evening, Amber was watching TV in her mom's living room. Daniel, her five-year-old brother, was falling asleep on her lap. 
Suddenly, the doorbell rang. Amber gently pushed Daniel off and went to answer the door. To her surprise, it was her best friend, Dee. Look at my new board game, said Dee, holding up a Ouija board. Cool, let's play, said Amber, welcoming her in. They set up the board in the living room and lit candles. Their fingers had barely touched the planchette when it moved to spell, hello. That's weird, said Dee. It usually takes a while to respond. Creepy, said Amber. How many people are in this building right now? She asked the board. The planchette moved to six. That can't be right, said Dee. It's only me, you, Daniel, your mom, and the spirit here. The girls stared at each other. Just then, Amber's mom came into the room and greeted the girls. When she saw the board, her expression changed. What on earth are you doing playing with that? It's not mine, it's Dee's. Don't play, it's dangerous, her mom said, then walked into the kitchen. Amber and Dee looked at each other and both shrugged. What is your name? Dee asked the spirit. N-O-M-D-E, the spirit spelled. Hmm, the room went silent. Amber's face went white. That spells demon if you unscramble it. The girls kept trying to communicate with the spirit, but now had nothing but insults to throw at them. You bitches, go die, it spelled. Both girls screamed, waking up Daniel, who was still asleep on the couch. He screamed too, so Amber ran to him. The bad man tried to kill you in my dream, Amber, he said. Shivers went down Amber's spine. Uh, don't worry, I'm fine, she said. Amber took Daniel over to the board and sat him down. Great idea. He wanted to ask a question. Where are you now, ghost? The planchette moved. In the kitchen with your mother. All three of them jumped up and ran into the kitchen where Amber's mom was smoking a joint. What are you kids up? Mom, the demon's going to kill you. She shook her head. Don't worry, that won't happen. Cause she was high as fuck. Well, she was worried about it earlier. <laughs> Just then, Amber felt something grab her hair and pull. She felt herself being pulled across the room, unable to stop the searing pain on her scalp. Dee also looked like she was being dragged around by her head. Amber's mom couldn't believe her eyes. She grabbed Daniel, got some blankets, and pulled the girls out of the house. They ran to Uncle Toby's house. The family stayed overnight there. The next morning, Uncle Toby went to check out their house. It was completely trashed. Everything of value was broken, but nothing was missing. No one had broken in. Knowing what to do, Toby took the Ouija board and burned it. The family returned to the house and picked up the pieces. Things seemed normal for a while, but Amber began to notice things weren't quite right. Daniel began seeing shadows around the house and started talking about a new imaginary friend he had. He said the imaginary friend was hurting him. Sometimes Amber could feel someone touching her in the night. Oh, hell no. A demon can do a lot of damage to a house after one night with the Ouija board. It becomes far worse when the sinister creature chooses to linger. Eee. See, that sucks when they are just stuck. Well, yeah. I mean... And you know what? It's so funny because as we're reading these stories and I'm like, don't play, don't play. I played a shit ton when we were mm -hmm. in 
um, I want to probably my senior year and then even like my freshman year of college. And I have some friends that are listening to this podcast. They're probably laughing right now. But we literally used to play Ouija boards all the time. Like most high school and college people are like, oh, yeah, let's go to that party and get fucked up. We were like, hey, you want to bring over your Ouija board tonight? And we would literally just play in a cemetery. We would play in the attic. We would play in the woods. We had some fucked up stories. Now, we would screw with people to, like, fuck with them, too. So Uh I can get why these people were like, oh, my God, you're just messing with it. Yeah. Um, We would do that. But there were times where, like, shit. Like, we would play in a barn, and, like, the horses would start going fucking crazy. They're really sensitive to... Well, yeah. I guess animals in general, but especially horses. So are you going to tell us one of your stories? Well, like, let me think. There's one. I remember we were playing at my friend's house um, with my friend Kristen. I know she's listening to this right now. Well, I guess when I upload it, she'll listen to it. <laughs> but we were all there. Oh, or maybe it was her sister. Well, they both played. Her sister, Kelsey, too. <laughs> um but we were playing, and this board would not let us go. Like, we kept saying goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And they were all they were all in basketball, and so they had a game the next day, and her dad kept coming out saying, like, um, you know, y'all need to get to bed. Y'all need to get to bed. <laughs> and, like, we were like, we can. It won't let us go. So he's like, you know what? I'll just burn it for you. So he gets this blowtorch that he just bought, and when he pulled it out, it, it didn't work. It was, like, broken. So he got his old one set it on fire, burned it, and I took a picture, like, uh-huh, like, I want this as a memory. Uh-huh. And when I took the photo and I put it in negative mode, the flames look uh-huh. like a um, skull with, like, horns nope. on it. So I was like, bitches, look at this shit. We were so freaked out. And I remember I stopped playing, not only because it freaked me out, but, like, I remember I would just lay in bed and just keep thinking about it over and over again, and, like, I was losing sleep The picture? It. No, just, like, of what had happened on it. So I just told myself I will never play again. I don't mind watching movies about it or hearing stories, but I ain't ever gonna play that again. Because it's just, I mean, I don't want to risk, even if it's not real, why risk it, you know? Because I, I ain't yeah. trying to risk it to get no biscuit. Oh my god, your eyes were like way in the back of your head when you did that. Alright guys, so that was the end of our Ouija board stories. Um, we'll probably post on the Instagram which ones y'all want to hear next because we have um, like haunted forests, asylums, exorcisms, all sorts of stuff. So we'll figure that out. But speaking of Instagram, please follow us at Misery Manor Podcast on Instagram. Rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your cats, tell your dogs, tell your fish, tell your rabbits, tell everybody about us. Please. And because oh. we do see all of y'all's reposts and we do appreciate it more than you'll ever know. So that's the end of this segment. And write in your own Ouija stories. Yes. Or, or go buy one and tell us your story about it. Or, yes. re- or record yourself doing it and send it to us. We're not going to play, but we would be glad to watch you play, honey child. <laughs> That's it for today. Now blow out those candles, get in the bath, and scrub-a-dub-dub, motherfuckers. Bye.